This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Good morning. I hope you guys are all blessed. Um, we have a few announcements for you before we get into the study this morning. And uh, first of all, happy Holy Week. This week, um, we're going to go through the, the time before what we know as Resurrection Sunday, Easter. And um, I just pray that you, your time is blessed. I know that we did some, some packets for the kids and sent them out to be going through a, some different stuff throughout this week to bless them. Why don't you guys, since we have some time, maybe some of you are saying that I'm crazy and you don't have extra time. Sorry about that, because some of you are busy, and, and that's amazing. That's great. But if you do have a little bit extra time, this is a perfect opportunity for you to be spending a little bit more time in the Word, spending a little bit more time in prayer, seeking God and crying out to Him. Uh, Grace and I were reading our Bibles this morning, and we spent some time in prayer. And right as we started to pray, or as we were praying, the Lord spoke a word to me, and, and I want to share that with you. It was in Psalm chapter 22. It's verse 24. He says, it says here, For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, for he has hidden, he has not, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. God's not hiding his face. He's not running away. He knows what's happening and, and going on, and he wants to meet us where we're at. And part of meeting us where we're at is, is there has to be a desire on our part to also want to meet him. Because the Bible always says, you know, over and over again, if you seek me, you will find me. If you, if you look for me, I'll reveal myself to you. And yeah, it's Easter. And yeah, it's a, a, unique, a unique time of the year, a unique year, 2020. So what better time to really cry out to God, write down the things that he's telling you, because this isn't going to last forever. And you want to experience the blessings that he has for you right now as much as possible, because I do. I hope you do, too. Another announcement we have coming up is that our Wednesday evening Bible study is going to be streamed at 6 o'clock. Our Easter service on Sunday is 1045. We have Zoom sessions this week. And if you're not familiar with Zoom, Zoom is a platform where multiple people can engage online at the same time. They can see each other's faces. They can talk. And for those of you who have experienced Zoom, uh, you'll see what a blessing or you know what a blessing it is. It's really nice to see people. It's really nice to have conversations. One of the things, like I don't want to be over-exaggerate, but one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is seeing all your faces face-to-face. We're we just need to throw a huge party the first Sunday that we get back together and and just spend some FaceTime with each other. That's not a video FaceTime. It's a person FaceTime. So we, we miss you guys. We love you guys. We've done these things on this Zoom platform so that you can connect, so that you can input, so that you can you can process through dialogue stuff that you're going through, ask for prayer, receive prayer. And those Zoom sessions, we have one tomorrow at 3 o'clock for the women's Bible study. They have a Zoom call. They'll, all they do is they send out a link, and all you have to do is click on the link, and it takes you to the page where the meeting is being held. At 5.30 on Monday, 
is the men's study Zoom call. On Wednesday, we have a 10 a.m. church prayer. On Thursday, we have a 5.30 p.m. a live young adults Zoom. So uh, the, any young adults, I think, that want to tune in since it's remote. And then Saturday, 10 a.m. Foundations of the Faith Zoom call. So you can see people and, and talk about those things. And if you'd like to be added to any of those groups or you have questions, if any other groups are happening, please email us at info at paradisecalvary.com. We'll have somebody get back to you and get be able to plug you in. Also, reach out to us if you need anything at info at paradisecalvary.com. And send your prayer requests to prayer at paradisecalvary.com. Also, for your tithes and offerings and giving, we, you can do that on the website. You can do that through our text to tithe feature. You can do that uh, even physically at the church drop box here. And uh, we want to be able for you to still worship the Lord through, through your tithes and offerings. And then as you, most of you have seen uh, in the news lately, the, the church closure or the public meetings have been extended to the end of April. So we're going to keep doing our videos. We're going to keep connecting on video. We want to help you. If you need help, reach out to us. We have people who are ready and willing to help those who need help. If you can't get to the grocery store or you don't want to go to the grocery store, talk to us. Ask us if, if there's anybody that will, because I know that there are people that, that have already made that commitment to doing that for you. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer, and we will start our Palm Sunday Bible study. Father God, we thank you so much that, that you love us so much. That, that even when there's an affliction, that you don't despise those with the affliction. You don't despise the afflicted. You don't turn your face from us. You don't leave us or forsake us. If there's anything that you've, that you've really clearly communicated to us through your word is that, that your heart is for us and not to be against us. Now, if there are any of us who have, are in a place of sin in our lives, Lord, we don't want to dwell in that place. We don't want to affect the relationship that we have with you. So, Lord, if there is discipline happening, if there's things that need to be addressed, we want to be the first ones to confess to you and to thank you for the forgiveness that we receive through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we look forward to this week. We look forward to the word that you have for us today. Pray a blessing for my brothers and sisters and, and for the word I know that you do have for us. Thank you for the offering of our lips, the singing of praise, worship, and, and songs. For the reading of your word, Lord, and the application of your word and, and the tithes and offerings that we give to you, not in compulsion, but as an act of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn with me to uh, John, the Gospel of John. I know we've been in the Gospel of Matthew, but we're going to look at this account through the Gospel of John this week for Palm Sunday. And we're going to do John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. For the triumphal entry of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. The title of today's message is, Who's in Charge Here? And the question comes from you being in the situation where maybe you should be the one in charge, or you're in a group of people and somebody else thinks they're in charge, or maybe it's just an honest, neutral question of, 
who's, who's in charge? Who should we be looking to? What should we be expecting? I want to ask you a question. How have your meals been different lately? Have your meal times been different? Yeah. You don't have the same conveniences you had before, and it maybe take a little bit more time. It, maybe there's more of a process. And it's kind of funny because in my house, I, I love my, my kids, but dinner and meals at our house can be a little crazy. For some reason, we're part of the same family and gene pool, but each one of us have different likes and tastes. So when mealtime rolls around, it's not uncommon to have two or three different meals being prepared according to preference. And that's not necessarily bad. It might take more work, but sometimes we can approach our relationship with God like that. We can approach our relationship with God like, this is what my expectation from you is. This is who you are to me. These are the things I need you to take care of. These are my appetites. And sometimes God in his compassion, I will say, I've seen many times, even in my own life, Sometimes God in his love and compassion for us will say, yeah. And sometimes there's meals where, guess what? In my house, everybody's eating this today. This is just what's for dinner. This is what it is. And sometimes in our life, God, he comes alongside of us. He helps us. He blesses us. And sometimes in seasons, he says, you know, this is, this is what you're going to get. This is what you get. Today's Palm Sunday, the week before Passover, when Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah and the King of Israel. But we see later that all these people wanted Jesus to be the kind of king that did what they wanted, not what was best for them. And this is what I mean by that. We're going to see a couple examples. We're going to see that the Jews were expecting the Messiah, but when the Messiah came, the sinners were not allowed to be included, and neither were the Gentiles. So that's the king that I'm looking for. I'm looking for a king that fits into what, what I want, what I think is right or wrong. He also, uh, they also didn't understand that the Messiah wasn't just for those people in that area, but for the whole world. It wasn't just them. And, you know, it, it's easy to have this kind of mentality. It's super easy. I talked with you guys about Romans chapter 2, verse 2 and verse 22 of chapter 2 about judgment and those are some powerful verses and i re when i think of the verse that that jesus says that we're going to be measured by the same that we measure others um that's kind of scary so yeah people have strong opinions about things right now i've already brought this up a couple times but but i still see it all over the place criticism judgmentalism hatred unbelief, disbelief, stumbling. How can we respond in those kind of situations in love? How can we respond to allowing Jesus to be who he's supposed to be for different kinds of people and not just who I say him to be, not just how I think he should manifest himself? We're going to look at seven different kinds of Jesus's kingship this morning. Seven different ways that we might like to categorize the, who Jesus the King should be. Here's the first one that we're going to look at. Chapter 12, verse 12. And the next day the great multitude 
that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches and olive trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Now here's the first king. If you're going to take notes and follow along with me, I'd love if you did. Here's the first example. What were these people looking for? It says the multitude came out to him, very many of them. And, and John the Baptist said, come prepare ye the way, right? There's somebody greater than me coming. They recognize that this is, this is the guy. This is the king. And they start to lay down things on the road, preparing the roadway to be nice and smooth right down into Jerusalem. They were motivated, those crowds were motivated to be there for what purpose? They were looking for, what did it say? The king of Israel. Here's number one, the answer to number one is they were looking for a political king. They were looking for somebody that was going to be able to handle things politically on their behalf. And maybe, maybe you'd make an argument and say, well, they could have been looking for any kind of different you know, king, why does it have to be political? Because they were under the Romans' oppression. They were under the Roman rule, and they didn't want to stay there. And they needed a guy that was going to get them out of it. So, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're giving that title to Jesus as the divine Messiah and Savior of Israel. So number one, they wanted a political king. And I would say that Jesus was a political king, just not the same kind of political king that they were thinking. One of the hot topic button, hot button topics that people talk about are talking about right now is, is politics. And it's an election year and November is coming up. And what can you say and what can you not say? I, you know, I think... I believe that, that Jesus' politics probably look a lot differently than the most of the people that we know, even those who identify as Christians. I think Jesus' political system lines up closer to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and a lot of people don't want to hear that. Now, I love to take 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and apply that to my friends and apply it to my neighbors— some of them, or apply it to my family. But when it comes to applying it to the context is everybody. That can be a little bit more difficult. So it's not so much a question of, of my political position being addressed as much as is my heart aligned with, with God's policies, with how God sees people. But here he comes on a cult, being declared as king. Fear not, verse 15. Well, then Jesus found a donkey and sat on it as it was written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's cult. Prophecy of, of, of the Messiah coming in. And, and notice the language here. We're, we're in John, but the word king is used because this is the direct descendant of of King David himself and is going to be the greatest king in the history of, of Israel. Point number two, verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they were done and that they, they had done these things. Point number two, what kind of king is Jesus? 
Look, look at what it says. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things. Jesus was not a temporal king. Jesus, number two, is an eternal king. And when we consider our relationship with Jesus, a lot of the things that we think about with him are these temporary things that we need addressed in, in the linear space-time continuum of, of right now to when I need things to happen by to my final day here on earth. But the reality is everything that happens in that span is for a greater purpose because we serve and identify with an eternal king. Not a king whose kingdom is going to last for a term. Maybe he'll get reelected for a second term, but, but an eternal term that no matter what point in history it is, he's still sitting on that throne. He's still the ruler of that kingdom. This goes back to our Kingdom Forsaken series in the Gospel of Matthew on Sunday mornings. Whose throne are you, are you sitting on your own throne or are you allowing him to sit on his throne as the king, as the leader? Because your kingdom will only last for so long. Your kingdom will only be temporary at best. Maybe to the last day of your life, but maybe even sooner. But his kingdom with him on the throne lasts for all eternity. His disciples, it says that they re recognized this and they remembered this. After he had been, what? Glorified. They saw the glorified body of Jesus Christ. And, and then they remembered, oh, he's an eternal king. Point number three, therefore the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the whole world is gone after him. Let's back up and look at this verse again. Verse 18. For this reason, the people also met him because they had heard that he had done this sign. Done what sign? We'd just gotten through the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And the timing is perfect because God's timing is always perfect. But his timing is perfect and, and Jesus delays to go see Lazarus. He gets there. He weeps. But then fully knowing what his capabilities are and what he's going to do, weeps with the people to identify with them in their weak state. And then he calls Lazarus out and raises him from the dead. And the next thing you know, this is the last miracle that people are referencing as Jesus is going in his triumphal entry as king into Jerusalem. So what is number three then? If we're going through kinds of kings if jesus is a he is a political king but he's, he might may not be your political king if he's a, a an eternal king it means that he's not a king over a temporal kingdom he's he's king over an eternal kingdom what's the third one he's the king of life death might come but unless death comes life can't be born from it and even jesus unless jesus died he couldn't be raised from the dead. He's the king of life, not the king of death. There's so many kings in this world who can be identified as notorious murderers. And you know the names that we could throw out there. But they've murdered millions of people. They've murdered their own people. They've committed genocide. And they sat on the thrones of these kingdoms as kings of death, and even throughout history, queens of death too. But what's Jesus? 
Jesus may delay to get to the burial site, but there's always resurrection power that he brings with him. Even if he can identify in your weaknesses as your high priest, even though he can identify with your weaknesses, he doesn't allow you or want you to remain there. He doesn't want me to to remain in my place of death. And he gives the gift of resurrection. He's the king of life. Our next point, point number four. Pharisees get bad. Look, the whole world is going to go after him because he's raising people from the dead. We can't stand this guy. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was with from Bethsaida of Galilee, and said to him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Now we have the next kind of kingship that we'll identify Jesus with. Number four, he is the king of the world. Now this is king in the world, of course, in the John 3.16 sense, for sure. But also specifically, these guys were Greeks. They were proselytes traveling from a different land. And Jesus a few times said, I've come for the lost sheep of Israel. Remember the one woman's response. She says, even the dogs eat the scraps from the master's table. And she, he addressed her needs. Because why? Because of her great faith. So not only were, was Jesus the king of the Jews, he was king of the sinners, He was king of the Gentiles. He was king of the world for those who either came to as proselytes and wanted to talk to him or those who who went out. Those are without, the the rest of the people in the world. And their response is is so sweet. I, I love this verse. I have it, one of those super underlines in my Bible. They said to him, or they asked him saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Man, this is a, an exciting thing that happens in my life from time to time. I don't know if it happens in your life, but I've had people say to me, you know, I, I see Jesus in your life and I want to see Jesus too. This is the heart of God that you could understand who he is and that you could come boldly to him through his son, Jesus Christ. You have an open invitation to meet him and to see the wonder-working power of his word, of a, a relationship that you can have with him. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces more grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Now he starts off these verses by saying this again. Let's look back. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. What glorification is Jesus talking about? He's talking about his suffering, his death, his burial, 
and his resurrection. And here we've seen it in other places, but here he says it again. I'm not really looking forward to this process, but this is the reason that I came, that you would glorify me and that I would glorify you. And that last verse, that your name would be glorified. Here's the next one. I believe we're on number five. Jesus is the king over death. Yes, he's the king of life that can raise from the dead, but he's also king over death where death had no hold on him. This is Palm Sunday, the introduction of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the king of life, the king over death who holds all authority. And there's a lot of stuff that we think, it's just like Jesus gives the example, the illustration of the grain that goes into the ground. There's a lot of things that need to die in our lives. And unless they die, they're not able to produce fruit. I'll tell you this story. I've, I've used this illustration before, but just because it's so beautiful, when, when Grace and I were living in Hungary, they had these acres and acres and acres and acres as far as the eye could see. Like you couldn't see the end of them of these huge three foot in diameter sunflowers. And you know the reason a sunflower has its name, right? It's not because it looks like the sun, even though that could be part of it too, but they actually, they follow the sun. So wherever you're at, when you're looking at the sunflowers in the fields, their faces will be pointed to where the sun is. And it's a breathtaking, breathtaking sight. It is absolutely gorgeous. But you know, the seasons change, and these fields and fields and fields of sunflowers, they all start to hang their heads. And then in the fall time, when it's getting cold and winter's coming, they're all black, and it, you're like driving through a creepy movie. And there's death all around you. But you know, okay, they're taking those seeds uh, to consume for whatever, livestock or oils or human consumption. They're going to they're gonna use those seeds. But you know that unless that season of death, there's a season of life, but unless that season of death happens and the seeds don't die and the flower doesn't die and all the seeds go down into the ground, there can't be more fruit. This is the, the process, if those were to keep just sowing into themselves, of not addition, of multiplication. One sunflower has how many seeds? Ever seen how many seeds sunflowers have? Got like a whole one of those bags. I never tried it, but there's a lot of seeds. And unless the seed falls into the ground, it cannot germinate. It cannot go through the next season. It cannot blossom and bear fruit. Jesus says it's necessary for me to do this. And in other places, it says that it's necessary for us to do this too. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. Because unless a man tries to save his life, he will lose it. If he loses his life, he will gain it. And this is one of those biblical principles that may be kind of difficult to communicate because there's like a wall, like I don't like, the fact that you're talking about death, but you have to remember the context. We're talking in reference to the king that's over death. Death doesn't reign. Death doesn't rule. Death doesn't remain. Go back to point number two. Who do we serve? Who do we acknowledge? An eternal king. 
a king that is the king of life, the king over death. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it, was a th- that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. What's our sixth king? Our sixth category for Jesus as the king of kings and lord of lords? That is it. The king of kings and the lord of lords. It says that this voice didn't come to inform me of the things that are happening. To give me peace or comfort, I already know. The voice is here to let you know that the things that that are people are being held in bondage by the, the king of this world or the ruler of this world is being cast out. He doesn't have that authority anymore. Jesus clearly, point number six, is the king of kings. And if Jesus is the king of kings, and you can look back at history and all the famous people and all people's foreign religions and all foreign gods, if, if somebody makes the claim that they are the king of kings, And they can prove it because nobody else has ever had the opportunity or or to to demonstrate, as we'll see next Sunday, of conquering death. So if, if there is a king of kings, which I'm fully convinced of, and as you read the word of God and as you as you pour through what he has to say to us and he reveals his heart, you you too can can identify what there is. If there's a king of kings, then that's my king. Nobody likes to vote for the loser. When you, when you watch an MMA fight, you, you want one of the guys to win, right? But, but you don't want the person that's not supposed to win to win. Maybe some of you do, but it's a bad example. You want the best to win. I want the Golden Knights to win the, the playoffs because they're the best NHL team. You want the best to win, and they probably will if they come back. Just a little throw that out there for you. So if, if, if the king of kings can be identified to me, then that's the king. I don't want to find myself placing myself under any other authority. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, we've heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Then Jesus said to them, a, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Now, hopefully, if they were walking in the light, meaning they were walking in understanding and, and walking in darkness, not walking in their own understanding, they will recall later because we read at the beginning of this chapter that what? Jesus' own disciples remembered after he was glorified these things that he said. So that indicates what? That they didn't understand. They didn't realize the things that he was trying to communicate to them until after his glorification. And and there's definitely going to be seasons for you where you don't understand what's going on. You're confused and, and 
you're, you're still walking in the light. You're wanting to walk in understanding. You want to, you're wanting to walk in darkness. But the, the revelation of the purpose for that season is not going to be given to you until a later time. And we, we need to be okay with that. Just make sure that you're not walking in misunderstanding or, or, or in darkness. Because Paul says in Corinthians, the spiritual man discerns all things because they're spiritual, spiritually discerned. The carnal man discerns nothing because he's not born of the Spirit. So the, the Spirit is the light. The carnal, how I can deduce and figure things out, is the darkness. It's self-will. It's me in charge. It's I'm the king. Verse 37, we looked at we look at number seven, our last point for who the the characteristics of the king jesus is but although he had done so many signs before them they did not believe in him that the word of isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spoke lord who has believed our reports and to whom has the arm of the lord been delivered therefore they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Number seven, what kind of king ultimately did Jesus become for the Jews? The king rejected. If those seven other points or six other points of who Jesus was are true, and it says that it, Although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. We just looked, we just looked at these people's the last six demonstrations of who Jesus is as the king. And the final one is that they still reject him. We can't be the kinds of people who want to know who God is, but are afraid for him to reveal himself to us because we don't want to submit to his authority over us. We had a great conversation. And brother, if you're watching this morning, I thank you for this question on Monday. And, and this is in no way to, to condemn you or anything. This was a fantastic question. And it's a question that I've heard a good handful of time over the years. He said, I've been praying, but I'm scared to pray. And we said, why are you scared to pray? He said, because if I'm asking God something and he answers me, then it means that it's true and that's what I have to do. And we're like, yeah, that's true. And he said, yeah, but what if I don't want to receive the answer? What if I don't want to receive what he wants me to do? What if I, what if I, what if I reject it? And I said, that's the beautiful thing. That you have to get to the place of complete humility, submitting yourself before God, your Father, who are those six things that we're going to go over in closing. He, he is those six kings. And if he is, especially the king of kings, then Lord, it's up to you. And if you're willing to, to speak to me, to show me who you are, oh God, thank you. May my heart not be in a place of rocky soil. May it not be in a place on the roadside or, or in the weeds and the thistles. A place where it doesn't get much root. May it be in a fertile soil so that I can receive it and produce an abundance of fruit as we looked at last week on our Sunday morning service in Matthew. 
And we also talked about this rejection of them and blinding. This isn't God causing them. This needs to be very clear. This isn't God causing them to um, come to a place of complete rejection of him. This is God confirming them in, in a decision that they've already made. Sometimes I know it when it's time to go to the next level of discipline with my kids, when I see that they've hardened their heart and they're not going to receive anything else that I have to say. And, and God, I mean, we're made in his image. He, he's, he's doing everything that he can, but there still has to be that human responsibility. There's the illumination of the Holy Spirit in the light, but there needs to be a responsibility of repentance that we come to so that we can dwell in the light. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke to him. Now, it's not in this, it's in every, this account of the triumphal entry of Jesus is in every gospel, but, but this one does not record the very next thing that he does. So we have these seven things, seven characteristics of Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah King, right? We just looked at all, all seven of those. The next thing he does in the other Gospels is he goes into the temple and he flips the money tables and he drives them out. Because this should be a place of prayer for all nations, not a place for you to profit, for you to gather and, 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 and take advantage and, and abuse people. He was, he was demonstrating himself as a, as a righteous king, representing his father well. Verse 42, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. When it comes to serving two masters, no matter what it is or who it is, you can only truly serve one. And, and this word is a strong word. Listen to this word again. The, uh, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. There's two different kinds of people that call themselves Christians. You can ask the question, do you believe? I believe. Do you confess him? I mean, what do you mean do I confess him? I mean, is he a part of your normal vernacular like do you have conversations with people about jesus do you tell people hey this is what i believe because i know a lot of people who raise their hand and say i believe and they go on living the life that they've always lived how they want to live it because they're the kings on their thrones of their kingdoms and, and they've become more superior in their minds than the king of kings and the lord of lords I, I can believe, I need to believe, faith is a huge element of who Jesus is. And some of these rulers, they believed that he was, but they could not confess. Why? Because they cared more about the social status of what they believed than the actual truth. And that can, co that can go kind of deep, but it, it's connected back to the heart of if we say that we believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Palm Sunday, Hosanna in the highest, Praise him who comes in the name of the Lord. We have to be willing in our daily lives, especially now, whatever that medium is, phone call, text message, social media, fathers, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, we have to confess. 
Jesus is Lord. He is the king of kings. He is the, the king over death. He's the king of life. He's the king eternal. Amen. And when we get to that place, it's a, it's a one-way street to Jerusalem. It's a one-way street to the temple for one of these last acts. It's a one-way street to, to a, a cross to bear the burden, the sin of the entire humanity, past, present, and future. The fulfillment of the old, the fulfilling of the now, and the fulfilling of the to come. The eternal king. Let's wrap it up in our, look at our last seven points. And, and I want to ask you a question in closing. Has your perspective of Jesus been challenged through this message, through the word today? Has it been challenged like he's somebody that you didn't know he was, but, but now you understand? You have greater understanding of, of what those kind of definitions of, of, of what the characteristics of his kingship look like. Well, let's go through and, and, and we'll finish up. Number one, is he a political king? They wanted a political king, period. They wanted him to take care of their social injustice issues. And that's the only thing that they really, truly cared about. Now, in your relationship with Jesus, is he just a fixer of the issues that you need fixed on a policies level, on a political level? Or are you identify yourself more as a kingdom of heaven citizen? That I'm not saying that these issues that we have in politics today and the laws that need to get passed or the laws that need to be revoked or taken away. I'm not saying that those are that those are bad in and of themselves, that that's a bad position to have. But it starts to become bad as soon as we start to hold more importance for those things to happen in the here and now temporal than the eternal people's souls, salvation, and fellowship with God for all of eternity. Number two, they were looking for, or he was an eternal king. And this was after he was glorified. The people remembered, oh yeah, he's, a, he's a, an eternal king. And, and I love the fact that it said that they had to remember because this is something that we need to remember. Oh yeah, I, I, I forgot, but I, I remember now. Jesus is an eternal king. He's not worried about this temporal season. He wants to empathize and meet people where they're at with compassion, but he's not bound by it. It doesn't affect him to the same degree that it affects us. Because he's an eternal king. He sees indefinitely into the future. Something that we have no ability to do. Number three, Jesus is the king of life. And he brings life from death. And when we finally find ourselves really, if I can say, buying into this biblical truth that if I allow certain things to die in my life, then Jesus can bring life from it. God can bring life and will bring life. And, and I, I don't want to get into to too many specifics or really any specifics because all of these things that you can think, they're your thing. They're your thing that you put before having a relationship with God. They're your thing that you make an excuse about so you don't have to spend extra time in prayer or you don't have to go do a house visit or you don't have to do that or do this. If he's the king of life, 
then there are certain things that I know need to die in my life, and I'm willing for them to die so that life can come from it. He, number four, he's the king of the world. They wanted him to be their savior. Jesus' intention was to be the savior of the entire planet. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And we could be picky. You know, one thing about the cults and, and some false religious systems in the world, they're very picky about who's allowed into the kingdom. God's grace covers a multitude of sins. And God is not picky. The only requirement is coming through the, the door, coming through Jesus Christ. He is the king of the whole world. Number five, he's the king over death. But then again, death does produce fruitfulness, as we already mentioned. He's the king of kings. He's the king over all kings. He's recognized by the Father. That's what that reference is, is in. He says, that voice didn't speak for my sake. It spoke for yours because I'm the king of kings. I'm, I'm recognized as such by the Father. If Jesus is the king of kings, then there's no one else that I'd rather serve. There's no one else that I want to serve. I never want to be in a place of placing myself under their authority when, when they don't have any business having authority or ruling over me. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then lastly, the king rejected. And this is the word of warning, I guess. In spite of everything that Jesus did and said, now, I want you to ask yourself this question. If you're not a believer and you're watching this, if you read through an entirety of one gospel and you got to the end and cut off the, well, you're right at the, the death, burial, and resurrection where we're at now and, and read all the miracles. And let's just say, let's hypothetically say that, that all of those things actually did 100% happen. No questions asked that they did, they did happen. Ask yourself this question. If the people affirm that they had happened, the people affirmed that they had seen, but they still decided to reject him. Does that leave us any room for rejection of Jesus too? Because God can speak to you. God wants to speak to you. God wants to reveal himself to you. God wants you to come to him. But there's always that room for rejection. And don't let it stay there. But by the grace of God, he's made a more excellent, most excellent way that through confession of personal sin, receiving the payment that Jesus made on the cross of his own blood, his burial and his, his resurrection, by, by professing Jesus as the king, as the Messiah, the Bible says you will be saved. So I want to encourage you, if you've never done that before, I want to lead you in a, in a very simple prayer right now to pray to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And I want you to, uh, if you do this, I want you to email us at info at paradisecalvary.com. Let us know. We have some resources for you. We want to give to you. We want to bless you. So if you've never done that before and you want to do that now, pray this prayer with me. Father God, I, I know I'm a sinner. I receive your son, Jesus Christ, as my personal Lord and Savior. I don't want to live in sin anymore. I want to repent and go in the opposite direction of my sin. I know that what you have for me in life, and, and I, I want to understand more how what you have for me in life is better than, than what I have for myself. 
I pray that you'd save me by the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, and give me the gift of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This is just the beginning for you. It's just the start of a walk to understand more about who Jesus is and, and who God and what God has for you in your life. One last thing in closing. This is for all of you out there who you've elevated other things. And I, and I, I know that there's some people that are going to hear this and, and know that I'm talking to you right now. You've elevated other things to a higher level. And you've therefore removed the authority of Jesus from over yourself. And you've placed yourself under another authority. You've identified more with the world. You've identified more with your agenda. You've identified more with putting together your kingdom, your kids, your house, your career. Those things take a precedence. And though there may be a belief in Jesus, there's not really been a confession in a while. I want to give you an opportunity to, to recommit in your relationship with God through Jesus. I want, you to give, I want to give you an opportunity to repent and just say, you know what, I've been going. I got off course a little bit. I want to get back. Pray this prayer with me. Let me pray for you right now. Father God, forgive the ones who stray, but we know you say in your word, like sheep, we have all gone astray. We don't want to remain there. We want to get back to having fellowship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords not caught up in our own agenda, our own principles, our own wants, political affiliation, but you. We want you. We cry out to you and pray that the soils of our heart are, are in a healthy state to receive the seed and to produce an abundance of fruit. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we love you guys. We really miss you. And we, can't, like I said in the beginning, we cannot wait until this whole thing is over. If you need anything, please let us know. Uh, we're, we're excited to see your faces in real life again. Pray for each other. Be reaching out to each other. Uh, we're going to see some good things come from this time of darkness. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, again for this time. For my brothers and sisters, I pray that you'd speak to them. I pray that you'd bless them. I pray, pray that you would encourage them and that we would soon be able to see each other face to face again in Jesus' name.